David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, host of Swarmcast, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Very, very pleased to have a very special guest, one of a mentor I grew up reading, you know, living in Iowa and Nebraska, former Iowa beat writer for the Gazette and host of the On Iowa podcast, along with Scott Dockerman, which I think was the pinnacle of Iowa podcast. I know I'm totally boosting his ego right now, but but he deserves it despite being off the grid for a while. But Mark Morehouse, I, I am ecstatic. You're back, at least for, for this episode of the podcast. I guess, first of all, how, how are you, Mark Morehouse? I'm hanging in there. I uh, Boy, you know what? I, I really enjoyed this college football season <laughs> because I didn't have to write about it. But no, uh, I, I'm doing well. Um, uh, living in a cornfield just outside of Cedar Rapids was kind of the fire alarm that, that I was going off and I needed a battery and I couldn't find it. Which one is it in the house? And finally moving, you know, moving to the woods in Illinois. Uh, kind of, I don't hear that beeping anymore. So it's all good. Yeah. So you said you enjoyed the college football season. I guess we'll just start right from there. What were, what was your kind of just takeaways from this general college football season? what did you think of Iowa? Just give us the full rundown of, of the big 10 conference and everything. And just how you felt like college football in itself kind of handled the entire uncertainty of the season. Yeah, I think college football should be proud of itself. Um, I think these training staffs, the uh, every all all the administrative portions of college football that we don't think much about came through in major major ways to make this happen. I was equipment truck story, which yeah, I don't know why that's not a bigger story, but boy, those guys roll with the punches. Greg Morris, a total pro. Uh, Cammie Powell and her staff uh, at the University of Iowa, head trainer, amazing. And in you, Matt, I mean, remember David, uh, like 2019 when I was still around, um, we'd always hear the name Carmen, Carmen. And I talked to Carmen about that when I talked, well, it's Carmen T.B. Preby, T.B. Preby, I'm, not, I'm probably saying her name wrong, but sports psychology at the University of mm-hmm. Iowa and that, yep. that whole staff. Uh, imagine the stress, imagine, you know, what what they went through this year, you know, the, just the training parts. I think college football should be proud of itself. Hawkeyes. Well, you know, Northwestern's pretty good now. Right. And uh, I think I, I would say anybody who rendered a final grade on Spencer, I think is a little bit rash. Yes. He didn't come through the way he needed to in, 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 a, in a few different games, but I think the timing, I really think timing and passing is really what for teams like Iowa, uh, I think it took a bite out of what they were able to do, what he was able to do. Um, we saw some beautiful throws. We saw some really bad throws. Um, we saw some pretty decent decisions. We saw some pretty bad decisions. So I'd say the jury's still out. Open competition. He didn't win the job probably, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah I agree 100%. Yeah. So Deuce, get, warm up, do whatever you got to do, get your ass ready. Um, but, uh, defense, uh, the defensive line. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, I thought it'd be a step back. They were, they were, they held serve yeah. and they lost, uh, AJ Epineza that one of the best defensive linemen they've had. So hats off to that hats off to Phil once again. Um, I, I, I hats off to, uh, um, oh, shoot. I'm, uh, uh, blanking on the offensive line. Uh, policy. Policy. Coach yeah. Policy. You know, we watch him, we listen to him cuss and swear, but his guys love him. And and, yeah. um, and I, I think that the, the, the amount of buy-in, I mean, you you had, um, he's not ready yet, 
but you had that big, uh, oh, uh, plumber. Jack Plum. Plumber. Yeah, or Plum. I'm sorry, Plum. Um, he, he gave up some big pressures, but that was like a fourth tackle. You're playing and you're winning. Yeah. So, you know, to me, his room, it was engaged. Everybody kind of was ready. Um, I think Mark Kallenberger's uh, flexibility, big, kind of a low-key big deal. And, of course, yeah. Linderbaum. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, I thought the offensive line, I thought, you know, outside of Spencer Petrus was probably the biggest story of 2020 for me. I know the defensive line was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, it surprised me, but when Phil Parker and Seth Wallace, I think it was before the season, they went up there and they said, yeah, our defensive line's the strength, right? the strength of the defense right now. You know, my ears perk up, my eyebrows are raised because I'm thinking, what, what the hell are you talking about? Like, who do you have? I mean, granted, we all thought Davion Nixon would be, a very, very big part of the defense, but I don't think any of us could have expected what he did this year. I mean, it was otherworldly, at least to me, it's the most dominant defensive tackle Iowa's had. I mean, do you want to throw in Julio Johnson? I mean, as far as dominance goes, I mean, he, 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 he had some big games. He had some big games. Uh, he definitely goes on that wall with a uh, sort of Mitch King. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 Colin Cole, but to me, I don't know if he's Jonathan. You check out Jonathan Babineau's number from 2004. Yep. I agree with Ooh. that. Oh, my goodness. And uh, what, 12 years later in the NFL? Uh, yeah. Hell of a career. Well, I, I, th- think I thought, I thought Babineau was more consistent. I think Davion had his moments of flash, and then there were plays where he just disappear. Or granted, and maybe it was him being double teamed, triple teamed, or whatnot. But I, and I'm not saying the effort wasn't there, but there would just be spans of where you were kind of waiting for something to happen or a big play would be given up on the edge. I thought Zach Van Balkenberg was criminally underrated. I know he didn't get in the backfield as much as some people thought, but the way he sealed the edge and the way he was a constant force and he was always around the football. I mean, fumble recoveries, it's a bit of luck. It's still a lot of skill and that still shows you're around the play and you have the awareness to get to the football. So I thought he was a huge part. I think the defensive line has some big question marks for me going in next year, but as I said, I think the offensive line, what they did, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum, I know you've been all all in on him basically since he started, you know, you first saw him, his first snaps basically yeah. at center. Yeah. Um, I thought Larry Jackson played his best football of his career, most consistent. Uh, Coy Cronk, I mean, you I couldn't get a gauge on it, obviously, because his grueling injuries. We'll see if he can pan out in the NFL. I always thought he was an NFL player. The body might not be mm-hmm. able to hold up. But I thought the improved guard play and the way, you know, they opened up more holes for Tyler Goodson. Tyler Goodson was much more of an up and down runner instead of that Fred Russell East to West guy. So right. uh, I think there were some definite improvements in, in just the line play in general. Got to figure out how to beat Dan Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> or, or David Purdue, Bell. Uh, you can't lose that. You can't beat, you can't lose that game uh, that much. I mean, you just can't. Um, they got to figure that out. That's you, they're they're getting Jeff Brom paid. They weren't even Jeff Brom though. I mean, Jeff Brom wasn't even in the, at the game. Remember, he, he wasn't even calling the plays. I know. I, that's true. It's a great point. <laughs> it was his. I think it was his brother. Got never called up. You got to say the the best thing that they've that Purdue has done has been beating Iowa consistently. So yeah, uh, figure that out. Figure it out, or, boys. Or David Bell. I mean, in all honesty, uh, David Bell and what, what I've never seen her. I mean, granted, we saw what yeah. Devontae Smith has done and we saw what he did in the national title game. But the, the way Devontae Smith was to defenses this year, that's how David Bell is against Iowa. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, they can't stop him no matter 
no matter what. And the way Iowa comes out, though, in those season opening games, you know what? Better than I do covering the team for that long. Iowa's season openers are rarely, if ever, pretty, no matter who the opponent is. I mean, it goes back to blocking back-to-back field goals against Northern Iowa on the way to the type of season that they have. I mean, even against Miami, Ohio a couple of years ago, they didn't exactly come out guns ablaze, and I don't even think they scored their first touchdown until midway through the second quarter, and then it kind of took off. But uh, there's always just so much rust, it feels like. But the, the week-by-week improvement is pretty – I think it's a story in itself, and I think that kind of epitomizes how Spencer Petrus was. I didn't see the week-by-week improvement from Petrus until – probably the fifth or sixth game, but I thought the last three weeks, especially in the second half, I mean, you could really see him take step steps forward. The long passes against Wisconsin, that was probably where, you know, the first time in my head where the gears were clicking, like, okay, he's starting to really understand it now. He's really starting to get a hold of his talents. And I mean, you, I don't know if you looked at his high school film. I know high school to college is one thing. There's intangibles there with Spencer Petrus. I don't think a lot of people are, are seeing right now. He's a good leader and he wants it. I mean, he wants he wants the microphone. He likes music, uh, Americana type music. He wants to sing. He want he doesn't want to sit. He doesn't want to play bass. He wants to be the front man. And that mentality will take. You know that he maybe he, that mentality dragged him along to to his point where maybe he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. But you know, I really think it was just. A, I think his performance was more a product of the pandemic probably sure i mean you could make that argument he probably wouldn't like you to make that argument because he's competitor but i i really think that that was a part of what i mean they're you know you know what the iowa quarterback has to do they have to they have to call out protections they have to uh make sure they're running a play into the right amount of numbers um and then there's a timing and anticipation that goes in the passing game and that and that to me is uh that's probably chalk on the sidewalk in the pandemic when you can't practice it enough Remember this too. I was going to bring this up when you were talking about Jack Plum. Plum wasn't even offensive tackle in high school. He was a tight end. I mean, granted, it was a primarily run offense. And I mean, he didn't catch a lot of passes in high school, but just the technique and the positioning and the way you, you kind of fan out on those edge edge blocks, it's completely different. And I, I think Plum has the makeup. I think he's still got to put on another 25 pounds. He's still pretty skinny for being six foot eight. He's like six foot eight yeah. to 85. I want to say, but I'll tell you this, and I think I told you this right when Iowa got his commitment. David Davidkoff, I think, has all the potential in the world of being Iowa's next great offensive tackle. He's a top 50 yeah. recruit coming in. At He's from uh, he's from Illinois. He's a former rugby player, 6'6", 300 pounds, not much fat on him. His second-level blocking is incredible, which, you you know, he's, as physical as they come, he's a nasty lineman. When you, when you play rugby, there's already a certain edge of nasty and psychotic behavior I think in your own mind to play rugby in the first place but I'm telling you I really think he could he's gonna compete for a spot in the two deeps and uh it it is interesting to me Mark that before we get into just a a couple other topics here with with the way recruiting is and just the way it's so publicized and highly competitive now and you know Iowa coaching staffs have gotten younger. I think adding Derek Foster and Kelton Copeland. By the way, I think Kelton Copeland is one of the more under I don't want to say underappreciated coaches, but the job he took over when he got that job, there was nothing. I mean, I would argue is the worst room in college football any level. Two scholarship receivers. I think that what Matt Vandenberg was the only one that had caught a pass at that point. I'm trying to Yeah, 2016 was yeah. uh they all transferred out and made 
CJ Beathard all of a sudden and a small percentage of Iowa fans I became a shitty quarterback which oh are you guys kidding me uh no yeah uh, they, he was throwing to 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 lost was J- was Jay uh, Shield there before Jay Shield ended up medically retiring? I, I, Jay never really factored. Uh, he yeah, was hurt too much. Well, I'm saying he was on so scholarship. Though. I think he was the second scholarship receiver besides Vanderberg. Was Vanderberg even on scholarship at that point? Yeah, he was. I he came in on so. scholarship. Uh, there was a kid from Texas I'm blanking on. Then there was a couple of track guys from Texas who didn't uh, just didn't. Oh, I know who you're talking stick, about. So. Uh, they were really light on talent there, um, and it just – you could tell, and it fell apart. And uh, uh, five years of Greg Davis, you know, I don't know what it proved, but uh, um, something Kirk was mining. I haven't figured it out. Uh, maybe yeah. it was just – it couldn't have simply been the bubble screen. Uh, but I don't know. But uh, that 2016, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a bad room, and that was uh, – lot of a lot of turnover and when iowa has a lot of turnover at one spot it gets ugly fast especially wide receiver i'm going to ask you this about i don't know really anything about the iowa recruiting class this year except yeah pretty good offensive line that's but the the gist i get i'm going to ask you this because this is a pretty uh, look at the roster and see what you got this might be a, a topic for you sure how many how many guys how many offensive linemen can Iowa afford to have in development at any given time? Guys who will take three years before they can get to the field. Is there, is there a number there that's too many or, and, and if you got, and if you have that number, I, I really think they got to get faster developing guys and get them to the field. You bring up David Cobb. You think he's going to want to wait around, wait around three years before he's, no, he's got to be ready to play. He's got to earn, earn the time on the field. But I think they got to, they got to speed up the clock a little bit. They got to get guys who, aren't going to take three or four years to get to the field. I think you're locking your roster up a little bit too much. You know, I think I agree with that. I think that over the last two recruiting classes, I know people don't like to speculate on stars, but look, I'll, I'll stand by it. The formula for wins and stars and natural talent, it still plays a factor. Iowa's a hell of a developmental program. That's what they will be. They're proud of it. That's great. I think offensive line, I think they're in an okay spot right now. And because I think the talent of last year and even the year before will make up for that gap. I think a lot of 2021 guys are going to play a factor. I mean, every one of the 2021 guys I could see end up starting at some point. And if they get that center out of Florida, Michael Mislinski, he might start when Linderbaum's gone. I mean, he's got that much talent, I think, there. But I think there's as much of is a concern as the offensive line is, you know what room I would say, and people might scoff at this, but if you look at the roster, it's true. I think there's a lot. I think they need to be worried about defensive back, especially after this year, because if Matt Hankins comes back, that's great. Then you have Riley Moss. Then you got uh, Xavier Williams out of Northern Iowa. Who's going to be a great one-year player. I think, I think he's a Sunday guy for sure. But then you look at the rest of the roster. These aren't top targets you're landing. I mean, you look at, I mean, Dallas Craddath is a former four-star guy. I mean, he hasn't done anything, you know, yet. Um, you look at Terry Roberts was still a late addition. Julius Brents transferred out. Devon, uh, Daron McKinley uh, transferred out. I mean, there's a lot of defensive backs that are out of the room right now. And I know they're high on Jamari Harris, you know, and Terry Roberts, like I said, but these are guys that they added in December or the second signing period. As great as Phil Parker is, 
and this is not an indictment on him by any means. They don't, they have not landed top targets in the secondary. I mean, you even look at 2021, who's the one defensive back they have. It's the small town kid out of Iowa who grant he's a top 150 prospect. That's a great land, no matter what way you slice it, but that's the only defensive back they've landed. I mean, I think Iowa is really going to have to wander around the transfer portal to get some guys that, that can potentially come in and make an immediate impact. Yeah, they'll be okay this year. But as you mentioned, the development, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm nervous as long as Phil Parker's coaching that secondary, but as far as intangibles and natural talent, I think there's a lot of question marks about this secondary that just the battle going into next year, it's going to be worth watching to say the least. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I think Riley Moss has turned out to be a pretty good player. I do too. And that's, that's changed a few career tra- tra- trajectories. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think you lose your Julius Prince because of Riley Moss coming up be nailing down one of the spots. So then, then you got, there's a, that, that adjusts all the roster. I mean, that mm-hmm. other corners are like, eh, I got to go. Uh, so you can only still play one corner. They did have some flexibility at safety. I think, uh, but you're right, but I, think, I, I will say this. Um, I think corner is his position. And you, I would trust Phil to maybe pluck off a Juco guy or maybe I, an I, you have to admit, Iowa has been fantastic in getting guys what they've needed in that sort of quote-unquote free agent yep. uh, recruiting period. I mean, I've been hell impressed, uh, you know, even back to Mackay. Uh, they find guys at Koi Kronk. They find what they need there because they have a chance to look up, hey, we need one of these. Are there any of these out there? Yeah, Michael. Yeah, and then there's a good Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I think you can you can spackle. Yeah, you, of course, you want to have your corner to be a two or three-year guy in your program, but I think you, athleticism can come through there, and I think they could find a guy, a stopgap guy. Kind of like Bryce yeah. Cart, the like Bryce Cartwright of the secondary. Yep. Okay. He remembers there you that. Go. <laughs> yeah. That was the first, I think that was the first point guard under Faye McCaffrey. They knocked him from the Juco market. There you from go. His passer, quickness, athleticism. Uh, I mean, it is crazy though. Cause I, like I said, you, you, you just go down the roster. I'll just name off some names. Obviously Dane Belton, who I think it could be due for a breakout year next year. You get Reggie Bracey. He's, who, added, he's added the size. Mm-hmm. He's added the size you need. He was yeah. always aggressive. I just remember 2019, always aggressive, uh, but wasn't didn't didn't really pack the punch. I think this year he showed, yeah, the punch is coming. I think Kevon Merriweather, I think, could be a breakout guy too. And but again, this is a guy that signed on signing day. I think they offered him like the night before, two nights before. Nobody, no word had gotten out about it. But again, that that's a flyer guy. Brendan Diaz Fernandez is a freshman this year. He was this year, true freshman. He was the guy they offered in June, but I think Iowa was his only D1 offer in general. I think he had a couple smaller offers. Um, like I said, Terry Roberts, Demar- Sebastian Castro had some nice offers. Kyler, Kyler Fisher was a walk-on. Quinn Schulte, I think, was a walk-on. He's cracked the two deep. So, 
again, like you said, I think athleticism can translate. And I mean, we we've seen what Iowa's done with walk on safeties. I think like, I mean, Jack Kerner, I think has been really, really good for Iowa in a lot of ways. Um, and has held held up the group pretty well, but um, I will say this about 2021 class. And I was going on about Kelton Copeland, the way the wide receivers are this year, I think this is without a doubt the most talented wide receiver group that Iowa's gotten under Kirk Ferentz. Keegan Johnson, they plucked him away from Nebraska and his father was a two-time national champion. I think he could start next year. I'm, I'm all in on that. I really think he can compete with Emir gone and with Brandon gone. Arlen Bruce, I think is going to be an end up being a steal. And by the way, people ask why he hasn't gotten more offers. He had some offers. They want him on defense and he said, no, thanks. I want to play offense. So, but when you look at his highlight reel and his stats and the competition, who do you like next? Brody Brecht for sure. I think Desmond Hudson might have to be the guy at, at X. Now, you know what? I think they moved Tyrone Tracy the X next year. Because remember, he came in, and I thought he he produced yeah. fairly well when Smith went out. And then um, yep. you throw Keegan in, I think, at Emir's, and then you still have Nico as the possession guy. And I think there's your three wide receivers right there. Mix and match accordingly. But Charlie Jones might have a say in the wide receiver room as well. I think he earned a lot of props this season, I mean, for what he brought on special teams. And uh, he was a big play guy at Buffalo. He just didn't get, you know, obviously didn't see the field much with the talent that was ahead of him. Mm-hmm, uh, but Brody yeah, Brecht by two see. years. Two years, I'd yeah. say. But yeah, I, I big bodies in the outside. I like Tyron Tracy as a player. I, I'm not sure X gives him the best chance, but I would, I'd like to see what he could do with it too, you know, because yeah. he's a great, he is a good athlete. And I think if anybody comes out of 20, hard to say this because I'm speaking very generally, but if anybody comes out of 20, 2020 with a hunger and like, hey, maybe throw maybe a few more touches my way, it'd be Tyrone Tracy. I agree. It was kind of wild to see him. I mean, I'll say, I mean, disappear from the offense. And I'm not saying that it was because of him or his effort or anything like that. But I mean, just game by game, it felt like the entire game plan was revolving around Tyler Goodson. But we saw what Goodson did this year. We saw him break out. And again, I think he's going to be a arguably first team all Big Ten guy next year. And I think he's Iowa's most complete back, you know, obviously since Wadley. But we'll mm-hmm. see if Ivory Kelly Martin sticks around, wants to see if he can win the backup job. But they're very similar in some ways. I think Gavin Williams might have to end up being the number two guy next year just for that different dynamic at running back. And with Mark, there's there's a lot of things we I need. I would, need I would need five running backs. I would always need five running backs. You just never know. No doubt. Uh, so let me let me ask you this, because this is something I'm interested. Obviously, like I said, we're from two different eras of Iowa football coverage and everything like that. What what has changed about Iowa football coverage or just covering uh, college football in general from when you first started to now? Oh, the Internet. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the Internet was when I first when I started the Gazette, the Internet was. Oh, let me see. This would have been 1999. Uh, my, my first time on the internet was 1993 at the Atomic Courier, looking up uh, National Hot Rod Association results for Tommy Johnson Jr., who was an Atoma drag racer. So yeah. uh, that was the first time I looked at the internet. So the internet changed over my career. Um, I, I don't know if it's changed so much as evolution. Um, to me, to me, 
uh, newspaper language, really the world has run past it. The generalities that newspapers need to work in, the reset of, okay, here's, here's the topic of the day, here's everything that's happened to that. I think that a lot of that language is dead. And so sure. I, you know, maybe I killed it, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I think the digital um, world offers just so many different ways to present information and so many more interesting ways to prevent, pre present information. If you ask newspaper beat writer guy, you know, what do you like writing? It's probably gonna say about 10% of the stuff he's doing or he, she's doing. Yep. Um, I think the digital world offers you just more channels. If you feel like, right, if you feel like going off on a, on a tangent, yeah, that's 30 inches or 20 inches of a, or I hate to use inches, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a talker for your day. I mean, that's gets your message more going that gets, so to me, it's creating, there's the, the conversation has changed. The point of view has changed. It used to be talking at people, straight at people, very little, very little feedback. Sure. It's not that anymore. It's talking with, if you're good at it, it's talking with people. It's entertaining people. It's making them laugh, making them think, pissing them off. Uh, and then, you know what? You're back and you do it next week. And no one's, you know, no one's burned. No one's angry. No one, no one hates you. So, yeah, I, I think that, that you're able to express yourself more now. I really think they need to get rid of beat writer and say, you're the beat columnist. You, I think Chad, I think Des Moines Register does it really well. Chad's not really a beat writer. He's a beat columnist. Yeah. Scott, the athletic beat, not really a beat writer, beat columnist. I think beat writer guy, uh, I really kind of think that that's sort of a, that's evil can evil going over buses. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is, it is crazy though, too. I mean, just from, I'd say even over the past five years, maybe it's because I've really started to pay more attention to it because I mean, because granted, I wasn't even planning to be a writer, let alone a sports writer until my third year of college, probably when I started at Rivals, at Nebraska mm -hmm. Rivals. So I know people, I mentioned Nebraska, uh, you know, with, with Rivals for a couple of years of Sean Callahan, who I think was a good mentor to me, but just really the way nice that's guy. A, really yeah. nice guy. Very, very, just, a, he was just a good teacher too, which I think it, it yeah. says a lot about him, let alone just being a nice guy, but he takes the time. He really cares about trying to educate people who actually want to get in the business. But yeah, I mean, even just going from that to where things are now, I mean, it, it's absolutely just wild to me how much has changed. I think everything's so much more saturated and you, I feel like you, granted, and I, I'm not, I don't want to make this deeper than that. I want people to take this at surface value. When I say this, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about any of that. Just as far as sports goes and sports scoops go, you don't automatically earn the trust of the public anymore. That trust has to be earned. And that's why I think more important than ever, when you're trying to break something and vent sources, it, it's, it's more crucial now than ever. You don't automatically have the eyes of the public. You have to be able to show them why you're worth the attention and why they need or should trust you. And I think, again, the bloggers, Twitter has been the best and the worst thing, I think, to happen in modern day journalism and sports coverage. I, I think you're in agreement with that. I think we've kind of touched on that off the record, of course. I think you can spend too much time on it. And I think I did at times. You can spend too much time and it builds your brand. 
Um, but I'm not sure how valuable it goes, you know, if you spend too much time on it. I think the value drops a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, that's a great point. I think uh, I was going to ask, how's it changed for you in five years? Because <laughs> you well, know what? That's the thing. It's change. Yeah. It, it changes. And you know what? Uh, the one toward the end, I was like, you know what? I just don't write for the newspaper anymore. I don't, I don't like the language. It's not, it's not conversational. It's not, I can't throw in a stupid reference about some TV show from the seventies. You know, and and then that's another thing. I think there's, you know, I look at what you guys do and you're, you're, you're speaking a different language. You guys are younger. You're talking to younger people. And, and, uh, I kind of got maybe a little bit self-conscious because here I am a gray bearded ass trying to get, uh, you know, 18 year old kids to tell me their life stories that that had to have been a little bit. T- Thank God. Some of the guys I actually connected with that way, like a Parker Hesse, uh, Tristan Werfs. Sure. Iowa pro- football program is amazing at getting guys who are used to talking to adults. And so luckily for me in my career, these guys were already outgoing and fantastic. And I, about oh here comes an adult i'm not going to say anything no they're great and thank god yeah but toward the end i'm just like i don't know their music and so and music is just so i can't tell you how many times i've written stories uh the whole worst thing a few summers ago was a built to spill song (laughs) i can't tell you how many times i've when i was able to actually write it was a song in my head or a movie title or just a passage in a book that at some point those bring being able to bring that up on an everyday basis and not have to report who's you know who got kicked who got who got hammered downtown and blah 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 you know just some of the news crap i mean yeah it's one paragraph yes uh quay crunk going to the nfl that's it no more discussion let's go to the fun stuff (laughs) and it's really hard to get to the fun stuff toward the end just uh uh you know yeah but thank well, god I, I ended up in san diego <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say too mark because i remember talking to you you were talking about yeah at some point you know what you're best at what you like doing well that's only about i don't want to say 10 percent of the job but i remember talking to you when you were doing the tristan worth thing and kind of the enterprise and the feature story of it that's the stuff you wish you would have done more of and i i if i'm yeah. if i'm if i'm remembering correctly i mean i thought the worst story is some of the best Journal. I told you that. I think I tweeted at you. I said that was some of the best stuff I've read. And I think people at times appreciate the story aspect. I don't think people at times understand how much time it really takes to be able to accurately and our, you know, and articulate a story the way you want to. Because people want to read it. Oh, every couple of days. You know, every day. It's like you don't realize how much stuff you have to go through. Let alone how much more stuff you have to leave off the page to make the story flow. I mean, there's so much stuff off the page that. It's so good, but we can't insert it because it just disrupts the entire story in itself. Right. And I, there was a period when I would do stories like that, where I would release all the quotes at the end, you know, talk about using digital to your advantage, uh, uh, newspaper, you know, you're, there's no, (laughs) there's no flow after that. So I would, I, I would just, I can't remember what I called it, but, um, like extra points or something like that. Like I think other it, things that we talked about. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, there's, and to me in a digital world, there's a place for everything. So you're not ever wasting your time and newspapers, you, you have to be careful. And to me, 
uh, I liked that discipline. I, I liked the uh, discipline of being precise and using the right words to make things move. But uh, uh, I tell you what, if uh, I, 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 we should probably tell you, I applied for your job way long time ago and was offered it. And I kind of run back, back through my head what that would have looked like. I just, I, I, you know, I had, I had young kids at that time, so I couldn't make the leap. So uh, yeah. plus my wife worked in Cedar Rapids. That's pretty much what ruled my life up until I left. But um, I think that you have a really great platform. I think that you use it well. Keep, 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 uh, keep writing to your music. Keep thinking it, through your music. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it is interesting. You talk about writing to a song or a movie reference. I'll tell you this, and I, I don't think I've ever told this story on podcast or to the public, so I will say it. I think I remember talking to you after the infamous Noah Fant lack of usage against Northwestern. I think he played six second half snaps. And it had been, a, you know, his brother was obviously tweeting about Iowa stuff. And we couldn't figure out why. And I, I, I and I don't want to get in the, you know, the summer stuff if that had anything to do with it. I think those are two totally separate things. Yeah. But yeah. you talk about after that game, this was the first, I guess, quote unquote, big article that went statewide for me at least because I think I was only about four months into the job I talked about like it was my column I don't even remember editing it I don't think I reread it I just hit publish because I was just so done with it because so many people were messaging me but I'll tell you this and I don't know I, I'm pretty sure you might have gotten in a few I don't want to say scraps with Iowa's sports information department but you know that there's times where you can tell like they're not the most pleased with you and I think me being a new guy and the verbiage I used in that article, I mean, my headline alone was there's no more excuses for underutilizing Noah Fant. And then I'm prefacing my last line here. But the last line was like uh, something like the Wildcats took, you know, the Big Ten West. That was when they clinched the Big Ten West too. The Wildcats clinched the West inside, you know, the quote unquote uh, Kinnick Stadium. I don't want to hear no more of this quote unquote Kinnick magic the Kinnick magic has diminished into pixie dust until the Iowa coaching staff looks in the magic mirror and acknowledges their mistake. And they never said anything to me about it, but I, you know, you can tell like some of the coaches when you're asking questions, like they're thinking in their head, like, you know, go yourself, <laughs> yourself. I was four months in that job and I wrote that. And then a month later I talked to some people in the know and I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that to try to really, you know, kind of immerse myself into the, uh, <laughs> in, into the market the way I you did. You know what though? Don't edit your, don't edit yourself. Um, yeah. they're going, they're going to be, they're going to be weird with access no matter what you write. Yeah. Just FYI. Uh, yeah. So just, you get, you get your shots off. Um, and when you're a newish sort of new guy, they do haze you. I wore my very first Iowa game on the beat. It was, we, back at the Gazette, we flew, we, we chartered to every game because we were owned by, we were also owned with a TV station. Sure. So we were swimming in cash. My goodness. It was uh, champagne and limousines, but we did have, <laughs> we had a, actually, we had a, a seven seat plane with nine people on it and camera crew. Oh my God. I don't even want to think about it. But anyway, we flew to Michigan state. I wore a green sweater. Uh, Steve Rowe is like, hey, dummy. <laughs> like, oh, shit. You are playing Michigan State. So they kind of haze news guy, new guys that way a little yeah. bit. 
Um, I, I always had a healthy relationship with iOS ID guys because, or people, all of them, because the young people, they were more interested in digital and a lot of them would post up by me and take my quote and run with it, which was great. I, I, was, I was glad to be there to help. Um, Steve and Matt and all those guys and Chris Brewer, fantastic. Yes. They, you, they get at you, you get at them. That's how it works. Coach, uh, coach calls you out, you call him out. That's how it works. That's sports writing. That's part of the quote unquote fun. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, you, you kind of, you can't really worry about, well, you do have to worry a little bit about, uh, how things come down. I, I was a little bit, probably too protective of the players. I didn't want their lives ruined with this. Sure. Shit. So I, yeah. I, I wanted them to, I didn't want them to walk away feeling burned and yeah. I probably didn't hit that note all the time, but that was kind of the goal. Yeah, and I do want to echo what you said. I mean, Iowa's SIDs, White Soul, Roe, Brew, I mean, great guys. I mean, I, I feel like, the, you know, it's in, in, in a working kind of way, like I feel like they've always had my back. I have their back, but it's not in the way that's yeah. going to translate to the actual writing aspect of it. I mean, they do what they can, especially given all this crap in the pandemic. And I think I appreciate them more now than ever with the way they, all the stuff they've had to work through there. But, yeah, you know, I don't know, I guess for me, when it comes to covering players, I learned very early that, you know, like you said, I, you don't want to feel like you're burning the players. I take every, I'm like, they're not getting paid. I'm not going to sit there and right. write about how crappy they played. I'll say, Hey, you know right. what? They didn't play well, but I'm not going to sit there and just dig at them. I think you're that's not absolutely uncalled nose. for. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, there's right. no reason to now, granted, if I'm covering an NFL team or an NBA team, these guys are getting paid, you know, seven, eight digits. I might, I might go a little bit more personal. Uh, but I also feel like they're being paid, you know, paid, being paid to produce. These guys are playing it for an opportunity to be able to make it a livelihood, or it's just a way to, to get through school, which is completely fine as well. But, uh, and I will say this too. I, I don't want to say I felt like I got hazed when I first started Iowa. I will say, I think I was very, <laughs> I think I was welcomed pretty well. And then I think there was a six month period or so. And I think, you and I have really started talking at all. I feel like on that first Outback Bowl trip, I mean, we, you know, we exchange, you know, highs here and there. I feel like when we were on the Outback Bowl trip, that's when you and I really started talking a lot more. There was mm -hmm. about a four or five month stretch where I think some people were like, okay, he's actually not trying to be another guy. Like this is actually a competitive kid who doesn't want to be on the back burner. And I'm not saying I, I mean, I probably would have been the same way. But now I feel like I got past that. And in a way, I guess that's hazing. But I mean, the Iowa. Iowa media wanted general, to haze you like. Uh, the, Iowa media in general, I feel Scott like. Scott wanted to haze you. Did Scott he? wanted to haze you. No, I, there's this, I, uh, I covered Bears camp. I learned so much about how this job, covering yeah. Bears training camp in Platteville. And there was a little hazing. Here's a funny little hazing story. Todd Sauerberg, remember him? <laughs> Hunter on steroids, uh, crazy yeah. West Virginia grad, Can't, comes to bear camp. I think he was a second-round pick because, you know, that's what the Bears do. They draft punters in the second round. <laughs> um, he had license plates, hang time. Uh, it wasn't – I can't remember how it was phonetically put down, but <laughs> hang time. Comes out one morning. He has a fryer haircut, and Alonzo Spellman's walking behind. Alonzo Spellman, 6'6", 300 pounds, 0% yeah. body fat. 
walking behind him laughing. <laughs> I'm like, you got haze. So doctor wanted to do that to you. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. nah. I was like, I was like, nah, let's not. <laughs> but you guys need to do that to Leah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I'm 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 very excited to see what she uh what she You know she what? Does. She's gonna be totally cool. She uh her one of her men, one of her teachers, uh, Melissa Ives, is a former Hawkeye Hawkeye grad, uh, former okay. Chicago Tribune Bears beat writer. When I was in Platteville, she hmm. taught me so much about the job. You would not even believe it. I've thanked her a few times. She's like, "Shut up, kid." Still, and uh, kid, look at this face. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she was one of Leah's mentors, and I think that will serve everyone well for the Gazette sure. and her career and fans people who are interested in the really wants to do it i i told her to try to she needs she's gonna need a podcast partner i told her to give you guys a call i'm uh i i did read some of her reviews and her uh, i think the gazette posted what was it ogden put together a nice introductory article i think he did the same thing when you when you when you departed right i told him not to do anything but he did. I, mean, I, I figured i figured he just wanted to go off in the sunset without anybody knowing or sneaking out the back door and be exactly. like hey I'm gone, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, I think, uh, you know, leaving was a big stew, uh, of a lot of stuff going on. Sure. Uh, mainly may, the main protein was burnout. I mean, after 24 years, 30 years, uh, I just didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. But there was also part of me that, you know, when I first started to get that there were, we had two women sports writers and it was 25 years without any diversity. And in mm-hmm. 2018, I started, hey, guys, let's do something here. And finally, I just like, you know what? Uh, if anything's going to happen, I got to go. So not the reason, but uh, I'm glad that that worked out the way it did. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think it'll be a refreshing change. I just think from just a perspective persona, I think I'm very, again, I'm very interested to see what she brings to the table there too. And I think Absolutely. that it's like you said, I mean, you know, Grant, it's it's the Midwest. I mean, you know, it's Iowa. It's the way it just kind of it kind of works out. But uh, I, I think, as far as you know, readership wise, it'll be interesting. I think for people that I don't want to say compare, you know, just I guess compare styles of writing and the way things are articulated and and the different ideas there. Because uh, I mean, I'll even say just from my perspective, I think me being a younger guy coming into a market of guys who've been doing it for twenty plus years. I mean, I'd like to think I brought something new. I'd like to think I still bring something new. Right to your music, right to your music. Yeah, you will exactly. bring something new. Yeah. Scott yeah. likes Scott likes like Garth Brooks. Don't he's so he writes that music. Chad, I'm not sure. Chad, I think cat soundtrack. Cats. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love Chad. I've no Chad and I were hired the Gazette at the same time. Oh shit. Uh, 1998. Yeah. It's I've known Chad forever. Yeah. I love those guys. I think they're great. I think the, it, I think the beat is so much better. So with me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were you, you no, go to your deadhead, right? You're a deadhead, aren't you? Uh no, I'm kind of all over the place. Okay. Mainly like 80s punk. But uh Okay. Hair now Nation? it's the dead. So that was dead and I don't have anywhere to write. So uh, there's that. So What Hair Nation, um, you Scorpion all that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. More like, uh, let me see. Uh, Built to spill. Okay. Uh, Husker do replacements. But uh, I, I think you know. I think I, I, when I left, I said, "Hey, everybody, everybody, kind of brings something different, and everybody's sort of making a living. Everybody has an audience. 
um, pick, pick and choose what you like. You know, you, do, you don't have to be loyal to one person. Although if you subscribe and pay money to one person, well, shit, you're gonna want you're gonna want them to yeah. to give you what you want. And yet, you know, that's not a bad. I don't know what you for you for me the the general audience and always being general and trolling for as many people as you can. I hated that. You have paid customers. You have yeah. customers who are coming in. They ate lunch. They're sitting down. And they want to read what you have. They're an engaged audience and they've paid to be there. I think that that's, there's some health there. That, yeah. that creates a relationship. Um, maybe, you know, maybe the expectations get twisted on either side. And I don't believe me, it works both ways. But I think having a paid audience and not, you don't have to be general. You can write, okay, you guys are pissed off about this. Let's get into it. Sure. No, 100%. And I think that's to some degree, I think, you know, I love my message board. I love message boards in general, especially for the paid site. I think a lot of it, some of it is obviously there can be some toxicity there. But as far as being like, hey, you're pissed yeah. off about this. Well, there's a group of people that are pissed off about it. You can talk about it. And I think from that aspect is it, it becomes so much more as like you said, you're talking with people instead of just at them. Because like you said, I mean, years ago, it's like you're just writing your column or whatever else you're talking at them. Yep. But now there's this that there is that relationship there. There is that engagement aspect. And I think from that aspect, that's where I think stuff is improved. It does make mm -hmm. the job a little bit harder, but I think it also makes it more fun because again, you're not just talking to yourself, talking at, at a wall. You get to talk to other people, you engage a bunch of stuff. And I feel like writers nowadays are probably more informed than ever, whether it be healthily or unhealthily in a lot of, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, right, right. I hear you. So well, let's, let's get into some questions. I, I actually had liked a lot yeah. of these questions. Uh, I guess start right, start right at the top. How do you find the happy medium of just asking players questions, whether it be for good, for bad, or for personal? I feel like time, time and oh. experience is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. I, I, when asking a tough question of people, uh, just be very clear and direct. When, you know, like, if you're asking a player about screwing up on the field, just be clear and direct and have their answer and move on. There's no reason to like dwell on it. The good things, well, they're easier to write about because people want to tell you about them. Yeah. And more, there's more detail. And there's, to me, detail is, you know, that's a big deal. And sometimes I would ask questions that I know stop the music because I wanted to know that little detail. So uh, I, you know, I'm glad that asshole's gone, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think that's kind of how, you know, I, 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 uh, I would say most of the players knew where I was coming from and respected the questions because they knew I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to slaughter them, I think. And then, uh, like Pat Angerer said, hey, he made me sound smart. I changed, I made the decision a million years ago. Everybody's going everybody's to speak proper English. Everybody's going to be you know, I'm going to correct some, some language. And I made that decision. And I think I stayed with that because, because I, I think the players appreciated it. You know, yeah. I think sometimes they would reach for words and maybe they didn't know them or maybe it just escaped them in the moment, which <laughs> that happens to me. You know, Dallas, I showed I retweeted Dallas Clark running for 95 a yard touchdown today. Yep. You don't remember anything. You're at the afterward. You don't remember what you talked about by reporters. You remember that 95 yard touchdown. So yeah, I, I, I think. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You just got to treat it with respect. Um, I know that sounds weird coming from a sports writer, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think you're right, though. And I think that the thing that's made it difficult for and I've addressed this a couple of times on Twitter. The thing that Zoom press conferences make it tougher than ever to you know cover sports. Yes, you don't get that yes. personal interaction with them. Like, granted, when when can it, when we do those breakout sessions per week with the players, you'd be able to pull aside a player by yourself for five five minutes, or whatever, and actually be able to engage with them rather than okay, we're going to raise our hand virtually, ask a question, everybody gets the same quotes. Some of the best stories are exclusive quotes that you get, and that player you know, again, it's that relationship with the player that you actually be able to get up, I guess, introduce or develop. And that's, it's kind of a lost art and it's kind of a lost season uh, with the way things were this year. This, well, you, you covered Nebraska for a little while. Uh, tell me about, are, was, is are the reporters, there's more access with Nebraska, which blows my mind, but I think the state demands that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what keeps, that's what keeps the program close to the state. The program's talking to people a lot more than say Iowa. Um, were, were the conversations different over there? It felt like there were more relationships between players and reporters. In Iowa, you, it was rare that, you know, they would call you by your name. Just, just a, yeah. it's not a right or wrong, but it, it felt to me like there was more mature relation. Every time I, I didn't, that wasn't very mad, but many times, but when I know, when I would, see like say at the big 10 media days i'd see nebraska media just look like they knew the players looked like they knew who they were talking to a little bit better to me that made for quality it seemed like they had more quality conversation or quality conversation that way no doubt no doubt and i think the biggest example i can give you on that mark is they got to talk to the coordinators at least once a week they got to talk to the position coaches once a week i mean they get players sometimes two days a week I mean there's media access nearly every single day besides Friday and I think that again and and I don't want to say I think Ken, uh, Kinnick and Iowa and the SID department I think when you get the players they give you as much time I mean they really do unless the player needs to go for a test I feel like they've never shored us for time as far as that goes but Nebraska really stretches it out. I mean, you're getting players for 30 minutes at a time, which again, it can be so much where it's going to be impossible to extract some of the best stuff, which I think can be a problem for them. But as you said, the state, the state demands it, the state demands it. Um, But I do think that Iowa would be better served. I know there's some position coaches, Kelvin Bell being one, he's a great interview, hates talking to us. That's just him. I'm not, it's not a shot. Like he just doesn't, he wants to coach football. He's a, he's a good guy, good leader of them. Oh, he's a great coach and all that. But again, you get so the Then he shouldn't have to talk. Then he shouldn't have to yeah, talk. If you don't <laughs> want to talk, don't talk. I, mean, I don't want to talk to you if you're going to be an ass. Just sit yeah. there and grumble. You know who, who was Although the Although he worst? was a great interview to talk. He's a great yeah. guy to talk. Let me tell you this. I'll tell you this. This is my a Nebraska quote-unquote war story. Bob Diaco, remember, was the defense coordinator for one year. I was there when he uh, he was there. <laughs> I covered him in <laughs> Iowa when I was in uh, – when I was in uh, – shit when I was in grad school so yeah they uh they used to let you they they let you talk to the coordinators after every game too by the way which I think would be awesome 
They're never going to do it. I, I love it personally. I think it's uh, the amount of stuff you got from it. Bob Diaco did not show up after they lost that opening game that year. He avoided the press conference. And I guess he said he didn't know. And the next week on that Monday, oh my God, the dude went on this giant eight minute rant of like, I know there was some conversation that I was running from it. I've never run from anything in my life. And he just was going on and on and on. And I'm like, well, and he didn't take questions by the way, after that, of course, but uh, man, he was, he was pissed to say, <laughs> to say the least, but I, I think that it would serve Iowa well if they did allow for more, even once a month. I think the coordinators have a lot to bring to the table. I love talking to Brian. I think Brian's, I think Brian gives some really good stuff and he gets into a lot of the X's and O's. I think he's blunt. I think he's very quotable. Phil, Phil has his moments. I think, <laughs> I think, but uh, I think the, yeah, Phil the, likes the, talking. The amount of access is crazy that Nebraska gets. I think it'd be a little bit of overkill if it was Iowa. But again, I think if they allowed some coordinators and position coaches more than twice a year, I, I think it'd be a really good thing. It'd be healthy for your program. It'd be healthy for them. It'd be healthy for the relationship between the coaches and the media. Uh, yeah. Even if it was just, even if it wasn't for the record, just mm -hmm. developing a relationship where maybe you can trust each other just a little bit. I think that would be healthy. No. And sure. again, I'm not saying Nebraska did perfect. I, again, I think some of it was overkill, but I've gotten used to the Iowa part of it. And I don't think they shortchange you for content. Like I think I get enough content from them, no. but I, I think right. you could dig deeper than, I don't want to say it's even surface level content, but you can keep digging deeper. And the more they trust you, the more they'll talk football with you and actually give you stuff. And I think that's where they, there needs to be that healthy balance of it. This is an interesting question for, I wanted to ask you this and I'm happy somebody actually tweeted sure. at me and reminded me of it. When you cover a team for years, do you slowly become a fan oh. of that team? Uh, no. Hey, I, no, it didn't work that way for me. Uh, I think, and it didn't start out, I didn't start out as a fan either. So mm -hmm. um, I think for other, I think, I don't think anybody covers a team becomes a fan of that team because there isn't an an inevitable shitting on you by that team. And that's just how it is. I mean, that's just yeah. how that business works. So it's a really, you, I mean, if you love the team going in, it shits on you enough just because you're media and that's the relationship. It's not personal. It's just how it yeah. goes. Uh, you tend to have that love taken out of you. Um, but I didn't start out loving Iowa. I didn't, you know, my, I, I fully believe we are creatures like the teams we like because that we were able to watch when we were kids on TV. Iowa football was not on TV every Saturday mm -hmm. when I was growing up. We grew up in Dubuque. We got uh, the Madison CBS, so we were huge Packer fans. Plus, my dad was from Wisconsin. So, uh, what else? Oh, uh, WGN, the Cubs, WGN, yep. uh, the Blackhawks, and that was my that's my <clears throat> sporting interest right there. It's it. So stuff. Uh, but you know, my dad was a little bit of a Badger fan, and he would sometimes make us stay up late and watch the PB Wisconsin replay on the, the uh, Wisconsin PBS. The Badgers was so horseshit back then that we were like, eh, "We're going to watch the Packers, Dad. I yeah. don't really care about Billy Merrick or whoever the hell trying to not run the ball <laughs> for the Badgers." Then. So it was a tough sell, and we were like, "Yeah, Dad, I'm, it's midnight. I'm going to bed." So uh, I think we're fully we you come in fully formed as far yeah. as what you cover. I did cover a 
Packers Super Bowl for the Telegraph Hill. I'll just tell you that straight up. I played it as straight as I possibly could. I did touch the Super Bowl trophy when it was on Dan Beebe's <laughs> podium. I yeah. touched it. Don Beebe. Don Beebe. I'm sorry. Yeah. Don, yeah. Don, yeah. Don Beebe. <clears throat> so I gave myself that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, covering, covering Brett Favre in, the, uh, in a soldier field, wearing a jersey and him laughing about farting or something. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but no, I think as far as, I don't know about you, I mean, you, you came in as a fan of Iowa fan and now you cover the team. Can, I can I, either confirm people, nor deny you know, that. But people look at that people, people in my profession, you know, people in or my old profession, uh, newspaper, sports journalism. Oh my goodness. That's worse than farting in church. Being a fan of the team you cover. Yeah. And you know what? Not that big a damn deal because you're going to be hard on that team because you're a fan and you care. You're going to be really hard on that team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe that, maybe I wasn't hard enough over the years because it, I was, a little, I was detached. Sure. I don't know. Sure. No, I, I think that's an interesting point. And I mean, I'll say this. I, I kind of find the opposite impact to some degree because again, you, you, you can't be so, I'll give my context. I mean, I, I think I wrote in my introductory piece, so I'll just flat out say, it. I mean, I did grow up following Iowa football. I did graduate from the University of Nebraska. Because of my writing. Because of my writing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I did get I did kind of give it away there too, though. Uh, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but I think that I will say that I think I've said this before. That first year was hard. That was hard for me. Mm-hmm. After the first year. I think my now I'll say my quote unquote fandom it is only in the respect that it's more fun to cover a winning team. When Iowa does better, more eyes are on your stuff. You get more attention. So for my ego or whatever you want to call it, it's better from that aspect. And the players are happier and it's fun to cover a happy team. So that that's what I would say. Again, after that first football season, like beginning of last season, basically mellowed out at this point for me. Which again, I think yeah, for my writing, yeah. I think it's a lot better for me. And I think it's better for the quality of work I do. And I think it's better for people to read because like you said, you don't want a happy, you don't want a Mr. Rogers writing for you. I mean, you don't want just happy go lucky all the damn time. It gets so old. Right, right, right. So do you, do you, okay. I, I never got to cover basketball like sure. as a beat or even as a columnist. I did at the Telegraph Herald. It was like really kind of the op- world opened up to me there. Do you find that basketball is maybe a little bit more fun to cover than football? Because and this is my theory. It's more disposable. I don't mean that it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's like game. Oh, there's another game this week. Oh, there's two more games, blah, blah, blah. Kind of, you kind of run with what's hot more. I think in basketball, do you find the spontaneity that you find that sort of fun? Because you could just draw a picture every night and you don't know, you don't know what the hell it's going to be. I think I will say when I came into this job, basketball, I thought was a lot more fun, but I'd also never taken the role of being a columnist post game. Like I ne- I'll say this flat out. My first, my first post game column for a football game, Mark was Kirk Ferentz breaking the win record at Iowa. That was the first column I had ever written on a football game, post football game. I did stuff for rivals. I was never the writer. That was the first time. So once that kind of opened up to me, I'm like, all right, you know what? That was a lot of fun covering football basketball hit i'm a basketball guy i think i've made that fairly clear 
I mean, I love the NBA. I love college basketball. I was going to say that. I thought maybe yeah. you were a little basketball guy. Yeah. I mean, I played basketball for a bit. There's nothing wrong with that. To me, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Colossus is a basketball guy. You can tell. Will, he's, he, he always, yeah. you know, but football, he kind of grumbles through it. Basketball, he's like, hell yeah. I think nothing I wrong under, with that. In my mind. I understood basketball a lot more as far as the intricacies and the details of basketball starting the job. And I think that's also why it became more fun. The more I've learned about football, I mean, I, I mean, I know sport. I mean, I know football. I know a lot of the aspects, but when you really, it's your job and like talking to you and Scott, listening to the podcast, I mean, doing my own research about stuff, you really do learn more about it. And I feel like the more I know about it, I mean, the more fun it is to cover because there's so many other aspects that you don't see at surface level watching yes. a game. Yes. So yes. I'll yes. say, I think this, this Absolutely. year, I think this year was some of the most fun I've had covering football. Uh, granted, there's a lot of storylines with this team, but I can watch a game and I can identify so much more and I can write more about it and I can make my audience smarter rather than yes. just recapping. And I think that needs to be right. a cornerstone of being a journalist. You're at times trying to educate them about what yes. happened, but you're also teaching them about it, the game itself that maybe they don't see. At least that's the way I interpret it. Absolutely. So as, as far as basketball good goes, that's a good, that'll take you far. As far as basketball goes, I feel like you can develop more. <laughs> I feel like you can develop more relationships in basketball too. I mean, I'm a lot more comfortable interviewing a lot of the yeah. basketball guys. Oh, so they know who you are. There's fewer players. Yeah. I mean, I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. In the midst of, I would say the, this: uh, uh, you should you should get your butt over to wrestling. So you should get wrestling my thing. And, and assign your make wrestling. Make, well, listen, listen, to, listen before you say it. I, yep. My, I come from a. I was a hockey player. My dad was a wrestler. My brother was a wrestler. I was the black sheep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should force yourself to cover, not force. You should go to wrestling and just say, and just paint a picture because you're going to see things over there and, and you're going to, you're going to pick up on an energy that you don't pick up anywhere else. I think you would have a lot of fun if you just go over there with an open mind. Here's what I saw yeah. and pick the funniest shit that you see and write about it. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. I know I have always known how important wrestling is to Iowa. I understand the need for coverage on it. And I, I do think of myself as very busy. I mean, I'm doing more women's basketball now too, because what Bluter's done with them is incredible. Great the, story. The, the, the people Great that story. Megan Gustafson, Caitlin Clark, Kathleen Doyle, Sam Logic, Allie Disterhoff. I mean, I could go on. Right. I don't, we, we talk about, I want to educate people. I don't want to try to cover wrestling not going in understanding enough of it to where I'm insulting right. Iowans trying to cover wrestling. So until Makes I sense. understand more of the intricacies of wrestling, I don't want to insult Iowans by trying to go cover it. I would That's, say go cover it, but don't worry about, don't get too technical. See it how you yeah. see it. Have fun. Make it a writing exercise. Have fun. Yeah. That it, it, it's you're right. You're right. That might be fun. That's about a great. That. I get you. I get, I get that vibe because that's a hard conversation to get into because uh, the people who know are going to be pissed if you don't know. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. I get that. No, that's, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I you do. You basketball me, in high school. Were you a basketball player? I, basketball? I was, a, I was a little bit, I did more AAU stuff. Actually, people might not know this. I actually went to a performing arts high school for three years and I did basketball AAU on the side. So I did. Oh, really? I did theater. I played a couple instruments. Uh, like our school didn't even have any athletics, which is, again, it's kind of weird thinking that. I mean, you see me, I'm, I mean, okay, let's be, I have the height of a basketball player. I don't have the physique of a basketball. I'm, I'm 6'5", 160. I mean, let's just be, <laughs> let's just be perfectly clear about that. 
Uh, but yeah. no, I mean, I played a lot of AAU ball. I did some stuff for high school. I, I thought about re-getting back into it. I moved to Nebraska my senior year of high school, back where you know we used to live due to some family yeah. stuff. That's why I went to Nebraska in-state tuition. It's a powerful tool, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Your mom and dad, thank you. <laughs> yep. To be fair, though, here's the thing. I, I'll tell this story, too, real quick. We, uh, they, we did go on a college visit to Iowa. I loved it, of course. And they were thinking, why the hell do we bring him here? Like, even with my scholarship, they're like, why do we just do that to ourselves? But they, they did say, if I wanted to go to Iowa, I could have. But not knowing what I wanted to do for college, I'm like, I'm not about to be in debt for 20 years trying to pay for school when I could get, you know, Grant. Also, I mean, Iowa and Nebraska's journalism program is one of the top in the country. I mean, it's consistently top 10. So, I mean, I got mm-hmm. everything worked out, I thought, perfectly. Um, Lincoln's is, Lincoln, I think, is a neat town. Yeah, um, but that's great. That's great. I uh, uh, I grew up in a wrestling family because they were just my dad and my brother were like five five. Yeah, and I got all I got all the height and I ate all their food. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how that worked. I barely I got into Northern Iowa. It's the only school to let me in, so that's where I went. I mean, that's kind of what I figured about Nebraska. A <laughs> it was only twelve hundred bucks a semester then. So oh my god, that all worked I- out. I'll say this. I, I, I've, I think I've told you this. I got older parents. My dad's 75 and my yeah. mom, my, like both my parents were retired. I don't even want, I don't know how much my college bill was. All I know is I'm not responsible for it. And that's one of my biggest like thankfulness to my parents. I mean, they, they hooked me up. Tell you what, I wrote my dad's obit a few years ago. My dad died in 2016. I wrote his yeah. obit and first paragraph was, yeah, this, this cat on his John Deere salary paid for four kids school colleges. Yeah just that's a victory lap that's a that's a damn victory lap yeah sure. yeah well it the amount of beer responses i got mark were insane i think you kind of hit me with them we'll go let's we'll go. do a rapid fire all right let's do it what's your go-to retirement beer go to what beer Re- retirement beer oh uh well you know what dubuque's right over the cross the river uh dimensional brewing uh fantastic yeah, uh, they make whatever IPA they have that is fresh. Uh, of course, there's hams, um, uh, and then uh, this thing called bourbon that that I think everyone should really, really, really Partake. try. <laughs> but 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 don't make it too scarce because my God, it's so hard to find. Yeah, I love this question because it comes from a kind of a troll account, but I I, I loved it, so I need to ask it. Yeah. Mark complains about covering Iowa football his last couple of years, moves on from the job, then actually comes on a podcast to talk Iowa football. Is he crazy or bored or both? Uh, it was just knowing you. And just uh, uh, this, I got to say, this is probably one of the last times I will talk about Iowa sports. Unless, yeah. you know, I'm kind of, I'm messing around with some friends with maybe a podcast, but it would be, it'd be, do you know Aaron Nagler? Or do you follow him at all? Packer, your Packer, Cheesehead TV guy. I feel like I know the I know the name from somewhere. Check it out on like Twitter. He just put out a, he put out a video this week. He he cusses on his cheese Cheesehead TV, and they drink and they'll get people to say, oh, "I wish you wouldn't use those f words so much." And he got on there and said, "Okay, I'm an adult. I'm going to enjoy this <laughs> like an adult. I'm yeah. going to use cuss words. I'm going to drink. Yeah. I'm an adult." If you can't handle that, then turn the channel. 
if I luck into something like that, then I would do it. But I would say right now, probably single digit chance, anything like that happens. So sure. Last two years, last two years are hard just because, uh, uh, you know, I, came on the beat. I, uh, I couldn't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. If you look at, you look at what happened in those two years. Well, Scott left. And yeah. then I had to do Scott, whatever, what Scott was doing. And I, at least, at least try to do that. And then what I was doing and I didn't get a hell of a lot of help. So that, that, that was a little bit, you know, I decided in 2018 that uh, I was done in 2020 if I was still the beat writer and I was still the beat writer. And as soon as I got on that uh, probably back from uh, whatever the hell that stadium was in San Diego, Credit Union Stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I covered that game from the Cayman Islands. So I, I you know, we, we just got our little. Uh, you, 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 know, was, you did the right thing. You did the Actually, you know what, San Diego, you did the wrong thing. San Diego's awesome. San Diego's beautiful. I used to live six hours from there. I remember I, li- I lived in Utah for a decade. Okay, that's right. So I, was about, okay. I was about two. I was about um, forty-five minutes from Hayden Fries in Mesquite, and then six hours okay. from uh, San Diego. Six hours from San Diego. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I uh, uh, you know, and I talked about maybe doing a podcast, but uh, just didn't work out. Um, he's got a pretty good gig, and he. I don't want to screw that up for him. I did get asked if I enticed you with a six pack of local Dubuque beer and a free dinner at Jack's. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. <laughs> I had Jax this week. I had a Monday. Uh, you guys got to, I can't recommend it enough. Just the smell. Uh, yeah. Go do it. Oh, and the, somebody on Twitter said, hey, dummy, get the onion rings. I got the onion rings this time. <laughs> that person was right. Yeah. Not big fat the greasy ones but just kind of thin beautiful fantastic like that that golden brown perfect crunch that's not drenched in grease right like that perfect they, onion they, to fry i don't know what ratio don't clean the fryers guys They're, it's perfect. <laughs> uh favorite beer from big grove brewery big grove uh the tv uh color tv uh that's yeah. my favorite uh um, i'm a i also like uh oh shoot i'm, I'm IPA. See, Big Grove for me was a big. I started going to Big Grove Solon the minute it opened, and yeah. they had a way different brewer then. I think they've kind of come around. I like the Apocalypse series usually, mm-hmm. and then uh, Richard the Whale. I mean, they're they're hitting. You know, it's going to be the probably the biggest brewery in Iowa. You know, it's going to fight Topping Goliath. Uh, yeah, I think I like the vibe that Big Grove throws. People love it. People actively love it. That big space was so smart and mm-hmm. then the food is good yeah i've never had a bad meal there i'll say tur- i'm a big turtle hunter guy when they have it ipa that's yes, always solid. yeah that's good that's good too uh let's see david i'll tell you this uh the journalism route takes you a few different weird ways a tumwa in the ni- early 90s at a place called the red garter parlor I didn't have okay. the guts to even drive by it. 
<laughs> Tomo was a rough but fun town. I had a great time there. Sure. I'm not sure my blood alcohol level was ever under 0.2. <laughs> Oh, I wish I could end it on that quote, but I do need to get these two last <laughs> questions because I know somebody will, uh, and I'll get, this is the most, it's, it's such a vague question and I hate myself for asking it, but favorite players in Kirk Ferentz era? Huh. Well, I'll such start with question. the guy, the one player that I had a beer with, a couple of players, but uh, one for sure uh eric steinbach i would love to sit down he wouldn't remember me anymore because i had hair and was brown even back then <laughs> but i would love to sit down and have a conversation i mean you guys you, i don't know if you saw him in uh 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 hard knocks he was trying out for the doll yeah 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 i know you're and he, he finally he was the one who wanted to smoke a cigarette in the in the hot tub <laughs> and then he finally walked in the coach's office and said, eh, i'm done here man i'm i ain't got this yeah. anymore <laughs> It was so Eric. It was like he's the same dude in Iowa. Um, uh, just a really thick Scott, uh, Chicago accent. Yeah. And beer and a shot guy, uh, fantastic guy, um, funny, you know. Uh, but but just you, that question is you're right. It is vague, but and it and to me it changes. It goes down um, a rabbit hole though too. Yeah. I mean, we could sit here and have a yeah. whole podcast on it. Yeah, uh, 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 Sean Considine, guys. I still mm-hmm. uh, Pat Anger, obviously, uh, guys. I still talk to on Twitter. Um, Adrian Claiborne. Uh, yeah. I wrote a story on him and his mom. His, I I did this story, this thing where I would go to guys' houses every once in a while. Um, sure, those were the funnest stories to do. Uh, those were absolutely a blast. And one year, I want. I said, Adrian, let's do this, and I'm. Thinking, okay, let's go to Kansas City and uh, um, or St. St. Louis. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on St. Louis, I believe. I th- and yeah, and no, his mom was living in Cedar in uh, in Iowa City with him, so we did it down there. And uh, you know, his story is really rough, and and there's some really low points, and and him and his mom really, really open about it. It was, it was. It was enthralling. It was exhilarating to, to yeah. go through that with them, go through the story with them, and, and you know, the media day comes up. Hey, Mr. Morehouse, thanks for that story. And he, you know, shook my hand. It was really nice. Uh, so, just exchanges like that. Um, sure. I really love Tyler Sash. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I I lost all my YouTube videos because I made my channel private. Yeah. You search out Tyler Sash, and you know what? That was a guy who who uh, really relatable guy who who I think would be he would be making so much money on ESPN because he could talk football and he had a great personality. Yeah. I made fun of him for, for his shoe collection. And he got, he, he, he jumped my ass for, you know, look like yeah. a dipshit old hippie. So uh, <laughs> really love that, that kid. I, I, I can't, I can't express to people enough. Uh, uh, just like those connections, you know, Brett Greenberg, yeah. same way. Um, um, God, the world, he, he had a really bad first game and the world just, kind of crash on him. I mean the internet was starting to kind of take off then I'm like you guys give this kid a chance that's Penn State he's a yeah. freshman give this kid a damn chance and he turns out to be one of the better ones to walk through yeah. so um to be able to tell their stories and to for them to trust you and that was one thing talking to Tristan a few you know summers ago his yeah. mom said you know what you know what the worst part is this they they didn't want to do that it was but you know you couldn't tell the energy they threw me was was great and open. 
but you know, so they throw you some trust and you, I think you have to try to honor it. Yeah, no, I think you summed that up perfectly. I guess my brief response to that, I mean, I think Ryan Creener basketball though, I, I loved Ryan Creener. He was very funny. Great sense of humor. Yeah. Very funny. National very champs. National, yeah, national champs. National champions. <laughs> uh, he was just, he was just such a super, he was just a super dude. And I really hope that yeah. he gets a shot, you know, at some, you know, again, overseas league or something like that. Football wise. I feel like I haven't been around the block enough yet. I mean, I, I have a few guys here and there. I love Nate Stanley. I, you know, I, I know why some people might not be a fan of his press conferences, but I mean, I got to talk to him off the record a couple of times. I mean, it wasn't anything I printed, but just conversations with him. He's just a super dude. He really was. I thought he was really nice guy. sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this, even as far as recruits go, this batch of recruits coming in are probably some of the more upstanding, you know, kids, I think, granted, again, I haven't covered that for 15 years or whatever, but, um, like I, I drove down to see Brody Brecht and Arlen Bruce when I was covering the Arlen Bruce saga of trying to get eligible. And they, they DM me literally 10 minutes after I left and said, Hey, thank you for coming down. I really appreciate it. And they gave me a whole, like two paragraphs of like, it was nice talking to you about this, this, and this, and and they had already committed to Iowa. Like, they went out of their way to make sure they talked to me. And I'll say this too. Patrick McCaffrey is one of the most outstanding young athletes I've talked to. Is like I was the only player who covered his signing when he signed to Iowa, which top hundred recruit is Fran's son. That's the only reason why. Let's be right. Okay. Okay. I talked to him for 15 minutes on the record. And then, you know, Margaret, uh, his mom said, Hey, we got to take pictures. I'm like, all right, no big deal. Like, thanks for letting me do it or whatever. I'm about to leave from the gym. Patrick yells from across the gym. Hey, David, do you have everything you need? Like mid picture. And I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't mind asking a couple more, but I'm not trying to take up too much of your time. I waited around another five minutes. He gave me another 10 minutes and asked me another three times if I had everything I need. I mean, just, you know, not everybody does that. He didn't need to do it. I thought he was outstanding, but yeah. Make sure if I, if I could throw you one, one suggestion going to see Brecht and, and Arlen Bruce do make sure, make at least one trip a year, see as many recruits as you can, because yep. you know what, that's building the relationship, building some trust and uh, FaceTime, all that mm-hmm. stuff, all that adds up. And you know that I've told you that before. The first, the uh, I'll tell you the first month, the first major scoop I had was Michael Lois committing to Iowa before like three weeks before the accident, which obviously you know, ended his career. We drove up to Wisconsin to go scout him and, you know, talk to him. And I try to, Sean and I try to make even weekly trips to somewhere. Like we saw Jeff, Jeff Bowie at West branch for a while. I mean, it depends on the weather. It depends on a lot of things, but yeah, yeah. the local talent in Iowa in general is getting so much better. I mean, there is so much high school talent now. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I was a football state. I was, I was a, a low key football state. I'll tell you what, they got some basketball. Uh, how many, how many states? How many states can have, how many states have two power five teams? Not very, but Iowa and uh, Washington, um, Utah. I don't know, maybe more than I think. But look at the population, and and I think the amount of interest in football in the state of Iowa makes Iowa a football state. It just is. Nebraska, yeah. I think, is in portions. Um, I think Iowa. It, you, you've seen, I mean, that's a good summer story for you. Just the, the uh, uh, amount of D ones in the last, what, two or three years. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I think double. there are 28 D one kids out of Iowa this year. I mean, it, Man, when, I, when I first started David in the mid nineties, it was like two. 
Yeah. And yeah. some years well, it will be two. Some years it might be two, uh, but some years it might be 20. It looks like the, it, it do, really does look like it's trending up. And that's I a credit that. to credit yeah. to the state football coaches. I have so much respect for prep football coaches. Uh, you got to find 20 to 40 good families that you that are going to be there and be invested yeah. and be on time. That's that is a community leader if it's done right. And uh, I, th- I so much, uh, so much respect for co- uh, high school football coaches in Iowa because that is not easy. As far as they're statewide. not getting paid that much statewide talent i think it's iowa but i will say omaha has become a metro for football talent it's become a hub that bellevue west is incredible i mean there's gonna be five six d1 kids out there just next yep. year and that's where obviously keegan johnson came from final question here and i know i've kept you a lot longer than i said but i, I i've enjoyed the conversation that is probably hey, no problem, an man. understatement no problem. No problem. and i guess it's a, it's a more serious question but i i feel like i have to ask it though too What's your perspective on the name, image, and likeness bill, and how will it? How do you think it affects uh, just the landscape in general? I would say this: um, if I do another podcast thing, I'm going to offer the platform to athletes. I'm going to say, "Hey guys, uh, you want to build your brand? Come on our podcast." Uh, this is a hint that maybe do that, David, for sure. I think it's an opportunity for athletes. It, what it is, what it, I, I'm not sure what it'll be exactly. Yeah, because it's got to go through politics and you know do the republicans win on this one do the democrats win on this one i don't know i'm sure that'll flavor the nil one way or the other it'll be more school favorable or it'll be more athlete favorable i think if it's more athlete favorable then somebody's got to be in the business of helping them build brands i mean some guys won't need it like an aj epineza probably wouldn't have needed it tristan you know, small town in Iowa, not a big social media guy. He might have actually enjoyed it. I think a guy like Tyrone Tracy. I don't think people know enough about that kid. I think yeah. he would be. Uh, so Iowa will probably still throttle all, you know, access to players. I'm wondering if the NIL can open things up that way. So it really is brand building. I mean, that's that's what you're talking about here. And then you're actually getting paid for it. How seriously are going to play? Are players going to are are they going to uh, invest in that? How seriously yeah. are they going to take it? Do they have time for it? Um, and what's you know that's it, it does kind of turn question. things into a circus. And that's one thing when I did start and I had serious conversation with Kirk about access and what I thought about it, which I wasn't much. He just looked. You kind of look at me and go, I I just don't want a circus. I really just don't want a circus. Yeah. And I kind of get that, but. The circus is here. NIL is the tent. And uh, I think things are going to change. And I think athletes and branding and platforms, I think there's, there's a, there's a, there's a void there. And I don't know how you can articulate that, but I would say in, in your field, make yourself available and pitch that and constantly be open to, Hey, come on, tell us what you're about. And if you, and if you, Oh, if you're, if you're uh, I'm going to use a really anarch- a stupid example that maybe would work for me. Like say, if you're sponsored by the record collector, well, Hey, uh, throw a pitch, you know, or throw the number out or whatever. So I think there's a, there's going to be a unique sort of wild West flavor to this, but we'll see what politics do to it. I'll say this. And this is where I think there needs to be a healthy balance of it. I haven't even quite totally made up my mind about what I think is the right thing to do. 
because in some ways I want to avoid the wild, wild west, but I mean, it's probably, it's probably inevitable at this point. I'm calling it Thanos because it really is inevitable, but I'll say this, how much money would Jordan Bohannon would have, would get, how much money would Luca Garza have gotten last year and this year, how much money would Spencer Lee have gotten across his career? And that's where it just becomes so tough for me to, I know they invest back in the athletes at times and I don't have the exact dollar figures in front of me, but I'm like, man, like, Jordan Bohan, I mean, he's basically doing the branding on his own right now without being paid with that podcast of his. I mean, I think that's a great example of what that's the future of it. And I don't know how the compliance, I don't know how the compliance people at IO feel about it. I don't know what Fran thinks about it. I don't, you know, but uh, Jordan's owning it. And I think it's ultimately good for him for life after basketball, because who knows if he'll even want to pursue a professional basketball career. I don't know that. And that's the thing, you know, we've talked about a bunch of athletes whose value is going to drop precipitously when they're after they're done wearing an Iowa jersey. Mm-hmm. Say, if Jordan Bohannon, you know, I don't know what, I, I would I would say odds are against him making the NBA. Odds probably are better for him to play basketball in, say, Iceland. If mm-hmm. he's playing basketball in Iceland right now, cash in, build that brand. Uh, to me, he's sort of uh, on that, Trill, Trill guy, I don't know his name, Ohio State player who had the trillionaire. Uh, anyway, he's building a media brand. Um, he, I think Jordan could be the next Jay Billis. You know, he'll know the game. Uh, he, he's articulate, smart, um, witty, and, and his value is at the highest it's going to be right now. If, if Iowa gets in the Sweet 16, the value is going to be, you know, skyrocketing. And then the minute he's not drafted and the minute that, Oh, uh, here I am over Calls in Germany a career. Yeah. That's, you know, people are going to go away and that's, you know, you look at uh, uh, Spencer Lee, his value is going to be huge while he's at wearing a, an Iowa singlet. Yeah. Whereas you'll get actually get paid, but the value goes down. The, the, the interest goes down. The, the, the amount of people hitting, you know, whatever they're putting out goes down. Um, you bring up uh, recruiting. You talk about guys getting, uh, more attention than others. Well, that's the brand. And, and then you look mm-hmm. at a guy when like Tristan, you know, you look at the followers he has when he's a Hawkeye, the minute he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, phew, those guys are, if they're not making, taking advantage of their brands like that, they're leaving money on the table. Yep. And it, I mean, it benefits university too. If they do build their brands around athletes, it makes Iowa look better too. And I'll say this, and this is my last quick point about this and I'll, I'll wrap this up, but Here's what I'll say to people. It will be wild, wild west, but it depends how you look at it. Is Iowa going to totally go all in on it and try to brand for their players? Because they can use it as an advantage. What what do you think with Madison and Green Bay and all them around there? What company is going to want a college player endorsing them? You know what they're going to do? They're going to go the freaking professional guys to get those sort of endorsement deals. They're not going to be looking at college athletes. Iowa is the entertainment capital for Iowa City and most of the state, it's the Iowa football team, basketball team, wrestling team, whoever else. Iowa State basketball, when they're really good, and Iowa State football, whether people like it or not, it's on the upswing under Matt Campbell. The college athletes are some of the most public recognizable figures in the state. Iowa companies are going to want to go after them. If we're talking about Duke, if we're talking about Wisconsin, we're talking about a play, a bigger city and a bigger market they don't care about college. I mean, they care, but they're not going to go after them to endorse their stuff. 
they're going to go after the professional athletes. Agree. Agree. Uh, that's a great point. Um, Iowa will be a unique market there. I, I wonder how much advertising dollar there would be or endorsement yeah. dollar there would be at a, at a place like Iowa where we don't have as many as much corporate money as a lot of mm-hmm. other states. I, wait a minute. I don't live there anymore. I live in Illinois where we do have tons of corporate money. Uh, no, uh, you make a great point also about pro teams. I think there is, that does boost Iowa athletes market. Um, I think uh, here's the thing though, with your, if you're the university of Iowa, Iowa state, uh, you're in competition with those players for ad some ad dollar. I mean, Pancheros, they advertise with the university of Iowa. Uh, they're probably always going to be a burrito lift uh is, is say let's just throw out a name uh uh, uh jack plum uh yep. he probably eats 14 burritos after a game because that's his job he has to yep, yep. uh does he do a pan- pancheros does he get a pancheros endorsement you know so there is some cross crossing of the streams here that i i hope universities are very transparent with like, okay, we need this ad money too, yeah. but we're going to pull away here and let this and so there, there has to be, you know, cause they, if you look at it very, you know, they're, they're all in competition now for uh, whatever used car lots uh, uh, ad money. And I'll, uh, I'll say this, if they were to get Jack Plum for Poncheros, I guarantee you they're using just strictly money they've earned from me because I have probably paid them enough money over the past three years to actually fund a couple of commercials or bus ads or whatever else. I mean, it. I don't even want to know how much money I've spent on it. I don't care enough to, and it's better for me than I don't know. If I'm, if I'm, doing, if I'm doing a podcast and there's a kid from Dubuque, I'm going to hook him up with Jack's Chicken Palace. <laughs> And I'll and 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 get something going for this kid, and 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 get some awareness going for the goodness of Jack's Chicken Palace up on University Avenue up there in Dubuque. I will say I totally forgot that was Chicken Palace. I had that for the first time about two months ago, and I fully endorse everything behind it. That was life. <laughs> it was mind altering. It was just palate cleansing. Yeah. Uh, well, and let's be real. I have better the sandwich. Well, I, I know, let's be real though, Mark. I have the physique where I could probably go in there and eat their entire supply and I can still afford it and I'll still at least look like a normal human well, being. Pretty much my job is closing my rings on my uh, Apple Watch. So <laughs> I'm at a point now where I can do okay too there. But uh, yeah, once I get, you know, a real job again, we'll see. Yeah. Well, Mark, I know, again, I know this went way over our allotted time. So I, I know no I respect your time. I really appreciate it. And it was, it was you a bet. hell of a lot of fun. So uh, you bet. I, whether you think the Iowa beats better without you, I missed you this year. The press box didn't feel the same. And uh, I, I, I will say, I know a sentimental note. I've always appreciated you. Even when I came to Iowa, um, I always felt like you had my back. I always felt like you, you gave me some constructive feedback and you taught me a lot. In a couple of years so i think i've told you this before but whether or not i'll tell you it on the record too i have always appreciated what you brought to the table and what you've done for me personally and professionally too well i appreciate that um hey you, you were smart enough to reach out uh leah when she interviewed at the gazette she reached out i gave her the playbook so there you go uh that you you never know uh I, I, man when i was a when i was coming up people like melissa isaacson I, you know i talked to them you know and you pick their brains a little bit and 
if you if you get one little thing that you can carry on um awesome but i'd say this hey you keep writing the truth and that's going to come through for you perfect always appreciate it, mark and uh you know you bet, if man. i'm ever in through your neck of the woods we'll uh we'll, we'll catch up soon Get 30% off an annual subscription at HawkeyeInsider.com or $1 for your first month for the most in-depth Iowa Hawkeyes news, scoop, analysis, discussion, and much, much more. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at David Eichel and be sure to follow Mark at Mark Morehouse as well. Again, big thank you to Mark for doing that. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.